You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Stayed on side. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped in the corner of the ring. All right, here we go. Episode 21 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon at B McCarthy 95 at Leafs Pod. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash in $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it, you rain cash $100 worth. That's right. All it takes is one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. That sounds like a no-brainer, BMAC. This is a slam dunk offer and won't be around forever. So head to the App Store now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app to get all in on all the action. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so much more, including your Toronto Maple Leafs. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its customers since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. What do we want you to do? Download the DraftKings app, Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. That's promo code THPN to get your one shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's what they call easy money. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at $100 on odds to on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. BMAC. The Toronto Maple Leafs losing to the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night, two to one. Brenda Gallagher, the Leaf killer once again for Montreal. And this really shouldn't come as a surprise as for me, Montreal was due for a win after Toronto got the better of them in the first two contests this season. Yes, sir. Happy Sunday, Kenny. It's the Zach Bogosian (laughs) episode. Zach Episode 22. He was zeros across the board last night. Sam Mitchell, zero, 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 zero. zero but he had zero, just zero, over zero. just over 12 minutes of ice time. And we got to mention, Kenny, a very happy belated birthday 
to the greatest Maple Leaf of all time, the Swedish stud, Mr. Matt Sundin, turned 50 yesterday, the all-time franchise leader in goals and points. Austin Matthews, your move, man. You know, I saw uh, my friend Scott MacArthur tweeting out about this, that in the time when this sport was really dominated by a lot of the great Swedes. You look at Marcus Nasland, you look at Daniel Alfredson, you look at Nick Lindstrom, like just uh, among others, like those are just to name a few. It was always Matt Sundin who captains the teams, the Swedish Olympic teams at all those tournaments. So that tells you not only what he was capable of as a player, but what kind of a leader he was in the locker room that he was wearing the C for his country among all those other Swedish studs. That's right. And I remember his 500th career goal very well, October 2006 against Calgary when he danced around Dion Phaneuf and just unloaded a massive slap shot over the blue line. Another another foreshadowing, another uh, Maple Leafs captain. Yes. And it was against Mika Kippersoff. Kippersoff, you boy. Kippersoff. I I used to love watching that guy play the net. And just for the listeners, I'd just like to give a little quick plug for myself right now. I got a new computer. So now the fact that I can use my regular mic again is is back yeah so, you sound lovingly yeah so the audio word. quality audio quality is back on not another least podcast so <laughs> thank you for everybody who listened to me while i was uh, recording on my ipad i didn't really want to bring light to that uh, beforehand but we're back baby thank you thank Production you for your time back thank you for your time and patience followers and trusted friends hey, kenny man. i i really thought i really thought the leafs had ample opportunities to blow it wide open in the first period i mean sheldon Keefe said after the game he thought the Leafs were a mess and look lethargic <laughs> and look tired. But Matthews could have had a pair himself. Marner had an ample scoring opportunity, had ample scoring opportunities. Kerfoot did. Nylander, I mean, it wasn't a bad game overall. And I thought, you know, as expected, and Matthews alluded to this, there was going to be some serious pushback. And Claude Julian stressed how important it was to be very disciplined against a highly skilled Maple Leafs team. And you know, a lot of people can scratching their heads and pointing the finger at Claude Julian for scratching Thomas Tatar. But what does it do? It makes for a nice new look line in Tyler Toffoli, Brendan Gallagher, and Philip Deneau. And it's an immediate impact and immediate chemistry and are the reason the Montreal Canadiens are closing the gap only three points back now. And it could have easily been seven points, the uh, margin in the standings for one and two in the north. So a huge, huge critical win for the Habs because now they don't play for a week. Well, this was the expectation, though, no? I mean, it was for me. I figured that this series was likely going to be a split when you look at it. I mean, they're both such offensively talented teams that the fact that Toronto has had success against the Canadian division in large part up to this point has been really impressive. But obviously, Montreal, this was a really important game for them to stay within striking distance of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think there was more at stake for the Canadians than there was the Maple Leafs in this game. And ultimately, like you said, BMAC, Toronto was not able to take advantage early on in the game when they did have opportunities to extend the lead. So a really nice goal from Mitch Marner on the great feed from Austin Matthews. And you like the fact that he's continuing to find the back of the net. I think that's a really positive sign for this team. And the comments from Sheldon Keefe after the game, like this is basically just like right out of the head coach's playbook, is it not? Your team's playing really well up to this point, 11-3-2, I believe it is so far on the season. So really looked good against the competition. So there haven't been really ample opportunities for the coach to come out and say, hey, you know what, I didn't like the game, or certainly it strikes a different note if you're coming away with the W. It's pretty easy for the players to just say, yeah, you know what, but we won. 
So Keefe obviously taking advantage of the opportunity after a loss to say, hey, I thought we played terribly. I thought we could have looked a whole lot better. And that sort of effort is not going to be acceptable and you're not going to have success. So I don't really put too much stock into the coach's comments. I think those are obligatory by Keefe. And I think in the room, they know that there was going to be pushback from Montreal and that they couldn't, they shouldn't expect just to beat this team every time they jump on the ice just because they beat them in the two prior meetings. So a really nice effort from Montreal to come back and get two points and really keep it, uh, keep them within striking distance in the Canadian division. Now for the Maple Leafs, it'll really be about taking advantage of the opportunity that's coming up this week when they have, you know, as Ray Ferraro put it, the Ottawa Senators coming into town on a three-wheel wagon, just ready to take advantage and really snatch up some points against a team that's looked absolutely abysmal to this point in the season. Well, it's a a luxury week for the Maple Leafs and a luxury next two weeks, I should say. I mean, you got a three-game set against the Sens, you got the Habs again Saturday night on Feb 20th, and then a little mini-series against the Flames, who, quite frankly, haven't really proven to me, Kenny, that they're a playoff contending team right now. They've looked a little shaky at points, so a really good opportunity for the Leafs to really stake their claim for top spot in the Scotia North to close out February. Interesting to see, too, and I didn't really pay too much attention to this, but you know, in warm-ups yesterday, Matthews and Marner, the last ones on the ice, even when they were um, turning the lights off after warm-up, they're still in there and the first to convert. So clearly that's been key. They're kind of, maybe it's a little superstition that they're the last ones out. Obviously we've, we've seen that before with the rock, paper, scissors between Tyler Sagan and Mika Zibanejad. But, you know, I think it's going to be important for, for these two guys to continue to carry the Leafs offense. And you can see that Matthews is starting to kind of harness that leadership role. He's been much more physical. You can see Marner has kind of adopted more of a defensive style to his game. So clearly there's maturity between these two guys and they're, they're starting to adopt that. I mean, they're not even vets yet, but this is their fifth season with Toronto. So they're starting to, to change their roles a little bit into more of a leadership role, which is, which is good to see. So uh, a three game series set coming coming up against Ottawa and a really good opportunity to, uh, to really get five points, five or six points. Hey, just a quick correction. I was I actually thought it was Gallagher that got both of them, but he got the assist on the first one. It was Toffoli that got That's the right. first goal for Montreal and not Gallagher. He got the game winner. So yeah, certainly Toronto is going to have to build on what's been a really strong start to the season. And like you mentioned, Mitch Marner's defensive game, that's been really impressive to me. And what also has been impressive to me is his aptitude of shooting the puck this year. I know they put a lot of emphasis on the fact that in the offseason, he was trying to make his game more dynamic. And by making it more dynamic, he make himself a dual threat because it seemed to, in past years, as soon as the puck would find Marner's stick, the goaltenders all know that he's going to be looking for Matthews or he's going to be looking for Tavares or he's going to be looking for Nylander. These guys who are more trigger happy, you know, shoot first kind of players and Marner needed to add that extra element. So to see him having success against Carey Price again in the contest last night, I think is really encouraging for Toronto and certainly the defensive aspect of his game. Like this is probably one of the best 200 foot defensive players on the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've seen his ability on the penalty kill. We've seen his uh, complete dedication when he's on the back check to get back into the play and get himself in defensive positioning. I think this has been one of the most impressive transitions for a player in Mitch Marner to still be able to be putting up the offensive numbers that he has 
while still being one of the most defensively responsible forwards on the Toronto Maple Leafs team. And I think as a whole, Toronto has been much better defensively than I've really ever seen them play in the last, certainly in the last four or five seasons, but even going back further before then, they look really solid and really comfortable in these one goal games. And albeit Gallagher gets the late one, two third period goals from Montreal, who I thought they were certainly the better team in the third period last night. I believe they outshot Toronto. It was something like 12 to six or 12 to seven in that period. So Certainly they deserved with the amount of forecheck and their puck possession to get that result. And ultimately they're able to get a critical win for them so that they don't fall, as you said before, you know, seven points behind Toronto, which is starting to get into that insurmountable kind of category, especially this earlier in the season. And with Toronto, who's that, who, who Toronto has on the schedule moving forward here. Yeah. And I just think in general, Ken, the, the Leafs game, has been much cleaner. They've been much more structurally sound. They, they've done a better job of adjusting on the fly. They seem to kind of not get the message a lot when when Babcock would try and refine a few things. But, you know, taking a quick peek at the Leaf blueprint and hearing Keith in his media or, or, or watching watching film and, and meetings and everything, like really stressing, like, guys, don't get ahead of yourselves. Don't get complacent because this is a given for us. We should be dominating the regular season. But there's 29, 30 other teams that are going to get better each and every day. And they're starting to circle the Toronto Maple Leafs more on their calendar as being a big time threat. So not getting complacent is, is something that the Leafs really need to get ingrained in their head because like we've said thousands of times, if it's another first round playoff exit or another bust in the playoffs, there's going to be some serious, serious movement. Well, you heard the captain of the Montreal Canadiens say this even before the game. And that was that this was a measuring stick game for Montreal. And that's a, those are pretty big words coming out of the Montreal captain, understanding that, you know, when they were neck and neck really to that point in the standings up until the tough stretch for Montreal in the last week and a half, two weeks or so that they're looking at Toronto as being the team in the division that they're going to be compared to at this point in time. So obviously this was a huge game for Montreal. I think that for Toronto, they probably deserved a better result in this game in particular. But then when you look back at the past couple of games, they probably was it there. What was the third game against Vancouver where they didn't really look like they had the legs, but they managed to squeak out a win even in against the game in Montreal last contest. I thought that Montreal was in large part, the better team for two periods. And then Toronto really turns it on, gets a couple of quick goals in the third and they're able to go on and win. Whereas tonight it seems like Toronto was the better player, better team rather through the first two periods. And then Montreal was able to turn it on in the third and take advantage and really take control of the game in the last 20 minutes. So certainly, you know, Toronto in these winning streaks or in these point streaks, you know, you're going to have some games going through there, whether it's, whether it's a losing streak or winning streak, we talk about this all the time. If it's a winning streak, there's probably going to be a couple of games in there that you didn't deserve to win that you ended up winning either way. And that continued the streak and on a losing streak, it seems to be the opposite. There's probably a couple of games in there that you deserved a better result in and maybe deserve to win, but you ended up losing. This was a game last night where Montreal was able to just capitalize in the third period. Toronto was only, only had a one goal lead entering that frame. And that's not a big enough margin in this league. You see all the parody all the time and kudos to the Canadians who were able to get it done. And Matthews, he hasn't scored in two straight games now, but extended his point streak to I'm nine worried. games. I'm so, worried about yeah, this man. player. Here come the here come the pitchforks. Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> I was actually uh, I did a hit just before I jumped on the Leafs pod with you, BMAC, with uh, the Devil State of Mind podcast, 
um, on the hockey podcast network. And we were talking about this and I don't think that there's any question that Austin Matthews now has to be considered, if not the best goal scorer in the league, like uh, certainly in the top three, because I'll be taking, uh, like I'll listen to conversations about Alex Ovechkin, who I think is the reigning goat. So yeah, I don't mind if you put him ahead of him, David Pasternak, I think is in that conversation, but then I think it's Austin Matthews and I will not be taking further questions about any other players at this time because he has been absolutely lethal this season. And it's good to see for Leafs fans that not only is he taking the start that he had last year and taking the you know improvements to his game they made last year, but he's continuing to improve on that and becoming more and more dominant of a player. He has been so impressive for this organization and man, it's been uh, it's been exciting to watch the development of both him and Mitch Marner as a tandem, and certainly they're solidifying themselves as one of the best one-two punches in the league. He's got to be up for Selkie this year, and and most definitely next year. Uh, just to see how how well Matthews his, or Marner Matthews, just to see how well he's improved his defensive game. He's he's come out and said publicly, like I've made it a mission to really improve the physical side. He's got such a big frame. And he's been doing an extremely good job of that. And it's only going to boost his game even further. So I wouldn't be surprised if Matthews is going to have a Selkie trophy in his Arizona cabinet in the next couple of years, two years, maybe. I I, got to be honest. I don't want Austin Matthews to win Selkie trophies. I want him to win the Rockets. Stanley Cup. Oh, (laughs) I want him to. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Who wouldn't want that? Yes. No, I, I want I want to see Rockets. I want to see, you know, heart trophies. I don't think Matthews will really ever be in contention for the Art Ross for most points. I think that he just doesn't get enough assists for that. He scores more goals. He's more of a goal scorer. But certainly those two trophies, I think, are much more important to Austin Matthews at this point in his career. And, you know, maybe he sneaks in a selkie here or there. But when you look at players of his caliber, I do like to see the defensive responsibility coming out in his game now. But I don't want to see him sacrifice aspects that make him so talented on the offensive end end of the ice to be considered one of the best defenders in the league, because there's a ton of centers who are dominant two-way players, whether you look at Ryan Getzlav or Anze Kopitar or Ryan O'Reilly or Patrice Bergeron, and all these guys are outstanding, but none of those guys have the goal-scoring pedigree that Austin Matthews has at this point in his career, even though they were all very established and a number of those players listed before were Stanley Cup champions. So although I think the two-way game is important, like I'm going to chill on the Selkie talk and I'm going to keep the chatter coming about Austin Matthews for heart and Austin Matthews for the rocket as he continues to put up his uh, historic caliber season to this point. All right. Well, let's just chill then and go to around the league. So a big trade. Well, not a big trade. Big trade. Sends and sends and Canes with a uh, a little blockbuster deal yesterday. Alex Galchenyuk, no surprise, gets dealt to the Canes along with Cedric Paquette. Going Talk the other way suitcase. is Ryan Dezingle, who has already been with the Sens. He had back-to-back 20-goal campaigns with the Senators. So he's back with a few familiar faces. But I said this on a pod a long time ago. I thought it was weird initially how the Sens had Cedric Paquette or that he was interested in, in going to Ottawa. This is a guy who's, you know, experienced the the championship high and has a cup with the Tampa Bay lightning. So for him to, to go to a contending team in Carolina is huge. And Gelchenyuk, I mean, man, he's bounced around so much. Hopefully he has some security with Carolina. I'm sure 
for Paquette and Galchenyuk. They're not much happier in that position, but a uh, little, little shake up on a Saturday. Ryan Dezingle was actually part of that package that ended up going to Columbus a couple of years ago for with uh, Matt Duchesne to bolster Yarmo Kekalainen's roster before the offseason or before the postseason, rather. So not really a surprise that Pierre Dorian would go after a former player. And what can you say about Galchenyak? I mean, I believe you always use this expression. He's a suitcase at this point in time, BMAC. He, he, never, <laughs> that, he, he never found a, a home in Montreal. He never turned out to be the number one center there. So where else has he been since then? He's been in Pittsburgh. He's been in Arizona. He's been in Ottawa and now he's heading down South Carolina. So, and he then in mini briefly. Yeah. He was, he was he in mini too. I, for, I forgot about that one, but this guy's just been buzzing around the league, never really able to find a home. And you wonder, you know, a player who is touted with such high offensive upside and ability, you know, for him to move around this much to this point, in his career, you wonder if there's some issues off the ice that are contributing to this because he hasn't really been able to find a home really since he left Montreal and that they basically just gave up on him being like, this guy's not going to get it done for us. Drafted by Montreal in 2012. And then he was traded in summer of 2018, Arizona, Pittsburgh, mini Ottawa, Carolina. It's just been bingo, bango, bongo for Alex Galchenyuk. Like a pinball. Exactly. So with all these postponements, Teams are starting to uh, see a lot of each other lately, especially St. Louis and Arizona. They've effectively played a seven-game series. It's six straight <laughs> games because there's been postponements. between. I think there was a Minnesota and Arizona postponement. So they've played six straight games, and they've been a couple of them have been back-and-forth affairs, overtime, 5-4. So I'm sure they're getting tired of each other and want to mix it up, but it's also kind of good to build that playoff rivalry yeah playoff rivalry i guess if you're expecting the yotes to make the playoffs i don't know <laughs> i think be... i i have them making the playoffs i uh, i like them as a fourth seed i don't know if i'd be that excited if i was a arizona coyotes fan that's you're getting the st louis blues for that many games in a row because that just seems like that could be a gauntlet that could set you back exponentially on the season so uh, certainly uh strange times call for strange circumstances this is probably something that we're never going to see again where teams just line up and play each other for this amount of games outside the playoffs. So something to be heralded and you hope for some of the teams like Arizona who end up getting matched up for in large part for a team that everybody could be, consider being the more dominant team in the St. Louis blues. You hope that they can make it out of it without uh, falling too back behind in the division lead, because uh, this could certainly bury a team early. If you end up getting matched up, like can you imagine if Ottawa for some reason just had to play like six or seven straight against Toronto or Montreal, like it would just be a total bloodbath for them, you know? Yeah. Hey, do you see that uh, the Canucks owner has backed the uh, GM and coach before the win yesterday? I didn't see that. Okay. So like, this is, this is interesting to me. I, I forget the guy's name is it's uh, Aquilini, I think, but basically yeah. he backed Travis Graham and Jim Benning saying that he's not planning for changes. Now I find this fascinating because anytime that I've ever heard this in the past, where it's, uh, the president or whether the owner or whoever comes out and backs somebody and gives them the vote of confidence, basically that's always followed by somebody getting fired in the next getting two snipped. weeks immediately. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like clockwork at this point. So you know that Travis green and you know that Jim Benning are on the hot seat. If I was a betting man, which uh, I'm not really, but for intensive, but for purposes of this argument, I will be, I would think that Benning is going to be the guy who's going to go. 
because I've liked what I've seen of Travis Green putting his product on the ice. We saw what his team was able to do in the postseason last year. I think the problem is not with Green's coaching right now. The problem is that the roster is not fit to play an NHL schedule at this point in time with the boat anchor contracts that Benning has negotiated over his tenure. I mean, let's not forget, he's been there for, I think it's seven or eight years now. So ample time to turn the franchise around. And initially, you know, there was quotes circulating on Twitter as well saying, this isn't going to be a huge job when Benning took over the position. He's like, there are good pieces here. You know, we're going to have a good opportunity to be successful, like very soon down the road here. And now here we are six, seven, eight years later, and the Canucks are floundering at the bottom of the Canadian division, despite playing the most games out of any team in the division. Yeah, and scratching and clawing for a win. Finally, they get one against Calgary last night because they were verging on seven straight losses. And I'd imagine if they lost last night, we could have been talking about a potential departure from somebody in Vancouver this morning as we are recording on Valentine's Day. We probably should have mentioned that, Kenny. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day, BMAC. And uh, Valentine's Day came early for the Colorado Avalanche. Did you see that Nate McKinnon is going to be available to play actually today I love against it. the Vegas Golden Knights? Now, that's exciting news for Avs fans because initially they thought that this injury that he sustained to his lower body was going to keep him out for weeks at a time and ultimately only misses one game. So that's good news for Avs fans that Nate the Great is, will draw back into the lineup against another team at the top of that division, the Vegas Golden Knights. Huge news, huge news for Nate Dog. Also, speaking of, uh, I know we don't really like talking about the COVID stuff too much, but good news for the Devils as well as uh, they're starting to get back underway, expected to start practicing again on Monday. This is a team that's just been absolutely hammered by the COVID. You know, they're having, you know, players, I believe coaches, like they just ran rampant through their locker room. So hopefully they've got that sorted out and they can return to level of play. This is something that we were also discussing on the devil's state of mind podcast is ultimately we have to remember the health and safety of the players and the health of safety of people in the organization is the most important thing here. So although we all want to see NHL hockey and we all want to be entertained and, you know, we're stuck at home just watching, you know, with not much to do, we have to remember that these people are also putting themselves out there and exposing themselves potentially to what this virus is known to become. So certainly hope that the NHL and them tightening up as well, tightening up their protocols with like the rapid testing and stuff like that is going to be able to allow them to move past these outbreaks and hopefully avoid some really bad outbreaks moving forward. Because, you know, some of these teams that have been hammered, including the Buffalo Sabres, the Dallas Stars at the beginning, and now the New Jersey Devils, it's really been a big disruption to the NHL season. And you hope that nobody has been too adversely affected in those organizations. All right, time for Tweet of the Day. I'll start with Terry Koshan. He's the Toronto Sun Boy. Leafs beat reporter. And he goes, still not quite used to Brody wearing the number of a guy who gets cut early in camp. <laughs> so true. 78? What are some What are some prime like training camp pre-regular season name? Like 78, 63? I feel like any of those, uh, like once you start getting into the high double digits, That's where you really don't see them very often. Like I know that a lot of players now, like the really good players like to pick like numbers in the nineties or like the eighties or whatever. And it's kind of like a lot of the time they'll pick their birth year or whatever, but really outside of like the studs, you don't see anybody really picking numbers in like the fifties or the sixties or the seventies really intentionally, especially for defensemen. You know, we used to like make fun of people who had those numbers in training camp because it just makes you look so big and slow out there just like takes up the whole back of the Jersey and just like makes you look like just like a brick shit house. So Brody is uh, 
certainly wearing 78 is kind of a, a funny little quirk. So my tweet of the day was actually, uh, it's a combination of tweets. And what the original tweet was from uh, Leafs All Day, one of my favorite accounts. So basically he posted uh, a troll like picture of like a quote of Austin Matthews. And here I'll read the quote that he he put up there. He said, honestly, his, this is on uh, the North Division competition. Honestly, it's been pretty easy. We haven't had much of a test here. To tell you the truth, it's kind of boring dominating the same teams each night. Hopefully we'll get challenged come playoff time. Now, that was not a real quote from Austin Matthews. This guy just made a board and sort of like just to troll people. And Habs fans got a hold of this and absolutely started losing it. It was hilarious. The most notable one was Grant McCagg, who's a pretty uh, pretty big Habs guy. He uh, does recruits.ca. Excellent, excellent work on the draft, but just a complete Montreal homer. And he basically saw this and decided that he was going to tee off on the quote saying, that's exactly what you want to see from Captain Underpants. Keep that mindset. It's especially funny considering that their team hasn't won a playoff series in eons. So the, another uh, older, well, let's, uh, let's say a more uh, a more seasoned hockey analyst for the Montreal Canadiens fall victims to the Twitter trolls. And basically he deleted the post almost right away because all the Leaf trolls just started like jumping down his throat. But I thought it was absolutely hilarious that uh, these guys are getting baited into fake quotes from Austin Matthews, who's been, to, for the large part, one of the quietest players or most respectful players. He never says anything to that tune in the post game ever. So I was surprised that people got confused by that. We should make a mock board from something that Brendan Gallagher never said. Like I want out of Montreal and just drop it Monday morning or something that would get people going. Yeah. Now people, I think, I don't know what website they made this on, but like they're popping up all over the place. There was one of Connor McDavid saying that uh, he really respects Victor Mete's skating ability that he's tried to model his game after that. There was one from Leon Dreisaitl, like saying that uh, he he had a much better season than like Valori Nachuskin last year, despite Valori Nachuskin having a better defensive <laughs> season. Like it's just absolutely preposterous. And I don't know where these things are popping up from, but I'm here for it. Any of this content, like if it. people want to take their time out of their day to create these troll accounts and just try to bait people into responding, I, I love it. All right, I know you're going to have some bevies later maybe some red wine. I don't know what you're going to have on Valentine's day, but do you have time for a quick bevy? A quick bevy? Yeah. What do you got? At the library bar, baby. <laughs> I thought you were about to crack a beer. <laughs> no, the, I'm doing a dry pod. Feb, Kenny. Come on. Oh, oh yeah. All right. I got two weeks left. All right. Let's go to the library bar. All right, BMAC, you're, you're up first. Who do you got? I was going to go with John Wall. I just feel bad for the guy. He's such a stud, five-time All-Star, and the Rockets have lost six straight. He's going to go down as, like, one of the best guards in the NBA never to win anything. And it, it's too bad because the Rockets just stink. And the I know Wizards they got Harden stink. out of there. The Wizards suck. The Wizards and are so bad. I'm going to say Beal and Wall because they're such studs and they're not going to be those guys who just say, I want out. They're loyal to their fan bases. Obviously Wall was too. He just got traded. He was, he didn't request a trade, but I'm pretty sure he did request a trade though. No. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he requested a trade and people were pretty pissed off about it because he just signed like a huge ticket. And they're like, well, why the hell are you requesting a trade when this organization is paying you like $30 million? But yeah, basically he wanted out. 
Well, he's ultimately a, been loyal. Like Beal and Wall were loyal for what eight years in Washington. Yeah, so. yeah. He. I don't think the franchise, like, or the fan base, really owes those guys anything. They haven't been able to put the pieces around them to have to have success, and they've just been a walking mediocrity. Oftentimes, missing the playoffs, or when they do make the playoffs, they get bounced in the first round. Or it's they'll sweep a, the raps, just like you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just been absolutely dreadful for those two players. Um, for me, I'm going to go with Aaron Baines, the big man for the Toronto Raptors. And this guy has been getting a lot of the starts at the five for Toronto. I've been watching a lot of their games very closely as I've been covering them for TSN 1050 radio in Toronto. And this guy has been absolutely, absolute dumpster fire for the organization since they brought him in. He doesn't look confident on the offensive side with the ball. He's not really dominating on the rebounds as you expect him to. And with the transition of the NBA moving away from a traditional big to guys who can handle the bar a little bit more and be distributors out of the low posts, such as Marcus Gasol was able to do, and to a lesser extent, Serge Ibaka was able to do, you know, Baines has not been able to answer the bell at all for the Toronto Raptors. And so he's going to be having a cocktail wondering what his future is going to hold, because certainly I feel like Toronto is going to be looking to improve that position, perhaps this season, if there's uh, some other big, more dominant big men available or certainly he won't be a part of the future plans for this organization after the performance that he's put on to this point in the season. Yeah. It's been patchwork in terms of trying to fill the void in the front court after Serge and Marcus Gasol left. And where the hell is Alex Len been? You th- I thought I'd see a they little bit more ass. of him. They, they cut him. They cut God his ass. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah, did they cut Alex Len? That was uh, probably about, yeah, it was a little while ago. It was probably about like after game seven or eight, there was one game that they started. (laughs) I forget, I forget who they were playing against, but basically they put Len out there and the guy went like minus eight in the first like 10 minutes of the game, like while he was on the floor and they basically just like pulled him off and he had to sit for the rest of the game. And then the next game, like they cut him and he actually got picked off, picked up off the waiver wire by the Washington Wizards. So he was playing against the Raptors the other night and actually looked decent playing against his former team, certainly a little bit more initiative for Len and him and Baines were sort of going at it a little bit in the low post, but yeah, Len was a complete disaster. He was a bigger disaster than Baines. Just the fact that they thought that either of those guys were going to be able to plug the holes, but really uh, the ship started sinking faster as soon as they put either of those guys into the game. Brutal. Just absolutely brutal. You got a Valentine tonight, buddy, or I know it's like, we aren't really allowed to be out mingling around, but uh, is there a special person who you sent a nice Valentine to, or are you going to, I don't know, perhaps uh, do a little holiday zoom or anything like that? Or are you doing a solo dolo this year? Yeah, a little, I did kind of a uh, early Valentine's thing with uh, a nice woman I'm starting to see. So that, that that's good. Congrats in the Valentine's spirit of things but tonight i'm actually in studio with sports center with jay on it's no longer jay and dan so that's going to be kind of a a new adjustment but i mean two absolute beauties in in our industries and i wish dan all too well and i will see jay on later tonight yeah and um you know it's been a tough week for you know employees of bell media a lot of changes going on at the company obviously you and i are both employed there right now in Toronto and have been lucky enough to keep our jobs through the recent layoffs. So, but you know, I want to say like thoughts and prayers because that seems like somebody died or something, but I do wish all the best to all our counterparts at, you know, TSN radio in Winnipeg, TSN radio in Hamilton, TSN radio out in Vancouver, who stations were all shut down pretty abruptly. And obviously that's awful news. And Hopefully they can all land on their feet because it's been a really difficult uh, week, not just for the on-air personalities on the TV side, but 
for a lot of the radio stations all over Canada as well after all the tremendous work that they've been doing. Well said, Kenny. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leaf Spot. Again, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. So use code THPN for exclusive offers. Download the DraftKings app. For Brendan McCarthy, I'm Ken Stapon. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll chat soon.